the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. With me today is the superintendent of the Boardman School District, Mr. Tim Saxon. Thank you very much for joining us. Glad to be here. And how long have you been in this position? Uh, as I just finished my fifth year superintendent, so I'm entering my sixth year. Fantastic. And, well, we've had almost five years in the building, right? We had a little bit of an anomaly last year. Yeah, yeah we were still here. But, yeah. <laughs> and we were in person learning. All right, let's start out with an easy one. All right. How's Boardman football looking this year? <laughs> well, we were almost 3-0. and uh, right. We were 2-1, and, and we had a shot uh, to win uh, at Maslin Jackson on Friday. And that's a good football team. Um, Classically good football team. Yeah, a, a strong program. It's a big high school. Uh, a lot larger than us, you know. They're a true Division One, but uh, you know, twenty to fourteen, we we had to drive. Uh, we got to eliminate some some of these uh, just bad penalties. Okay, know? and I think I think we'll be fine. And uh, one of our best athletes uh, should be coming back soon. That should help. Nice. Yeah. Good deal. Um, all right, I'm going to stay on a playful note for one more. Okay. <laughs> what do you think is the best food that this cafeteria serves up on a regular basis? Do they have the octagonal? Mexican pizzas? Uh, that's a good question. I, those are called uh, fiestadas. Fiestadas, yeah. And uh, I know with, with all the change in, in the, the government regulations. Uh, you wouldn't even get those passed anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the chicken patties still, still are the best. You can't go wrong with the chicken patty. Absolutely so. not. Good deal. Um, all right. So we are, what, one year into this year's calendar? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. How's it been going so far with the COVID stuff? Well, uh, we had a great start last week, you know, with last week being our first week. Obviously, I mean, you, you can't talk about schools opening without talking about mass policies. But if you take that that uh, out of the equation, uh, we had a great start. You know, kids were excited to come back and uh, teachers were excited to see the kids. And, uh, you know, it, it felt 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 good to get uh, four days under our belt. Awesome. Awesome. Um all right, so let's start with how things went last year. How much remote learning did you guys have to do? Uh, well, we started the year with 70% of our uh, students attending in person. So 30% obviously were uh, uh, remote learners. By the end of the year, we were at 90% in person and 10% remote. Uh, we were built differently last year. Uh, you know, Last year, uh, we started the year off with our teachers doing both in-person instruction and the remote learning. We wanted, if kids were gonna choose the remote option, we wanted to make sure they had access to the Boardman educators. So so we built a system in which our teachers could do both. That was great until it wasn't. Because the one thing we learned around October, I mean, you, you could just feel it in this building, uh, the stress, um, burnout, teachers exhausted, uh, and. It just wasn't typical. That's what I heard. I mean, yeah. having to make yourself available all those extra hours and those just a, one Zoom call a day is exhausting, let alone having to interface with all those children. Hey, you, you think, okay, it should be easy to do is just you know turn on, turn on the, the live, but it's more than that. Uh, and, and so uh, just we wanted wanted to continue. So we had to make some adjustments. You know, we, we started the year off with an hour delay uh, for our older kids and then uh, an hour early release for the younger kids just to buy an extra hour for teachers to engage the remote learners. Mm -hmm. um, but we had to do something and it came down to our technology was poor and we had to find a way to buy time for our staff to balance or else it was all going to collapse for both learning environments. So 
we invested money in technology and we switched uh, into the uh, late fall to Learn Home Wednesdays. Okay. So you know, everything was remote on Wednesdays and that helped. I know that was tough on families. Yeah. Um, but it really, it saved both modes of instruction. We, we did what we had to do and uh, we were able to get through by making that adjustment. I was going to say, you probably kept a lot of teachers either in, in the profession or at least in the school just by giving them that slight hybrid schedule. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you could feel it. Uh, there, was, there was a, once we started going to that, there was a different feeling in the building. Our, our, our motto was, you know, you can't, you know, can't think big picture. You got to take it one day at a time. So we say, win the day. And I'm telling you, people were coming and saying, I'm no longer winning the day. And once we made that adjustment, they said, I'm back. I'm winning the day. So That's they awesome. said, I know it's tough on families, especially families of young kids. And, uh, but, uh, that, that helped save that dual mode of instruction. Gotcha. And in terms of investments, you got, you said that you guys were able to be, uh, the recipients of a lot of that COVID money. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able to spread it around, and what's the timeline you have that you have to spend that money? Well, for the first round, uh, the ESSER one uh, money that helped offset all the things that we had to do to open the building up last year. Uh, we, we made a considerable investment in plexiglass. Mm-hmm. We tried to have plexiglass for for every kid to help out. Obviously, the PPEs, the the hand sanitizers. Enhanced cleaning schedules. We had to uh, separate our lunches, space people out, so um, monitors were on extra duty. So we had to add extra hours, extra hours for nurses and so forth. So uh, ESSER one really helped out with that last year, offset those costs. Sure. Now, were you able to like get some capital improvement type things done that you, you know might have been on the wish list for a long time? Sure. ESSER two then comes along, and ESSER two helped us. Uh, you know, one of the things we did for this year is uh, we, we bought air purifiers for every classroom, commercial grade. Uh, they've been stuck in Chicago because of, of uh, the trucking shortage. Oh, but, no. But they're arriving tomorrow. We want them for the first week. Sure. They're coming tomorrow. Uh, like we've, We're going to put uh, every learning space, classrooms, gymnasiums, auditoriums. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, libraries. I, as, as we've seen from, you know, the science – Plexiglass, not going to do so much if it's aerosolized and it jumps over the little plexiglass. Right. Um, you know, surface contamination wasn't as bad as we first thought. It is definitely all about this air purification, especially right. when we start to have to close the windows for, you know, the cold weather that's coming up. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely, you know, very, very important. So that's awesome to hear. Yes, yeah, so it's part of that layered approach. And uh, we just, again, going back, we, we replaced air filters across the district. So, um, normally, if we didn't have the extra money, we'd be pulling from permanent improvement funds to do that. So that freed up some dollars. We were able to finally do some paving, much needed. <laughs> center, I, since I've been working here, centers need paved. I mean, it's been 20 years. Uh, and it's, it looks like a new building in the back. But uh, so uh, paving is expensive. Absolutely. You know, and it's hard to make, you know, like, oh, we just got to suffer through another year because we got to spend this money elsewhere. So uh, Esther has helped offset some of that. Nothing's better than coming into a freshly blacktop surface. <laughs> I say that yeah. about my own home. Yeah. It's got to be like Burt Reynolds' mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everyone will get that as listening. It depends on their age. but Let's yeah. hope. Yeah. Get out there. Cannonball run. Check it out. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing? Um, all right. So aside from the air purification, what other protocols do you guys have in place this year? Obviously, uh, we're requiring masks. Um, you hear yeah. Require? Okay. Yeah, requiring masks. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't I'm know sure that, that at all, right? Breaking news, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, obviously we, we were following what, what the local health department. We we followed our the um, the advice uh, from local health department and, and the Ohio Department of Health and ODE last year. 
and served us well. Uh, the local health departments, actually uh, the Trumbull, Columbiana, Mahoning, uh, Warren, and Youngstown City all came together, made a pretty strong statement okay. and said, this is what you should, you should have layers. You know, they highly recommend getting people vaccinated. Sure. So uh, last year we sponsored clinics here and we will continue. We're working on again our next clinic here in the fall. Uh, the next thing would be masking. They, mm-hmm. they recommend universal masking for staff and students. Then air filtration. Mm-hmm. So we're working on that. We placed the filters to have the air purifiers. Uh, they, they recommend continue your, your cleaning standards like you talked about. Uh, and then following um, the quarantining and isolation uh, protocols that they have in place. So we're doing all those layers. Yeah, I mean, that is the Swiss cheese approach that we heard mm-hmm. Dr. Amy talk about last year. Sure. And, you know, it, it's all commonsensical, but, you know, we're getting a lot of pushback, especially with the masks right now, yeah. because that is something that's being mandated. It's not optional. Right. And so, like, how are you able to address the pushback? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's it's been tough because, uh, as you know, some people feel very strong on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, so... I get emails from both sides saying, follow the science, follow the science. And that's, uh, I get it. There, there, there's, uh, people are, are passionate uh, about this topic, whether they're for masks or they're not for masks. And the part that's tough is these, these are Boardman families. Mm-hmm. And we have to service, we have to, we're here for Boardman. We service, the, you know, our, our families. So uh, we don't want to intentionally isolate any group. Um, you know, I think about it as educators, um, we, we don't, it just, it's just in your DNA. You don't think win-lose. You think either a kid's winning or going to be a winner. Yeah. So this concept of, uh, you know, when you choose math, there's winners and losers. Is it Really, for educators, it's kind of, unless you're a coach, maybe. Right. <laughs> but we talk yeah. about football first. It, that's not in our DNA. We just, we, you know, we believe every kid can win. Every you know, So we're working. Where's the win-win in this? And mm-hmm. that's tough. If there was one out there, educators are very good at finding things that work well elsewhere and copying it. That's right. what we do. Sure. But uh, no one has solved that equation. No, and, and uh, it's, but it, like you said, it's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. Um, and in the end of the day, like I like to say, everybody is still going to be living here with one another. No right. matter what transpires, you're yeah. still going to have your neighbors, and you're still going to have to have as good of a community connection within the school and without and outside of the school as possible. It's, it's, it's hard. You know, a very, very proud Boardman resident, I hate to see Boardman divided. You know, Likewise, and, and the and the, the people that are uh, that are against the mass policy aren't necessarily don't want to leave Borman. I don't want them to leave Borman. You know that that that's been hard. It's been hard on on, on our school board and our administration because we want to service our entire community, but we believe and this is the best way to keep kids in school and learning. Yeah. Um, do you think that like the, a political makeup of a town can be indicative of how they feel about a mandate? Have you seen that? You know, it's, uh, it's a good question. I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, uh, it, it's I guess if I had more time to research it, uh, sure, sure. I could dive into that a little bit deeper. I, I know I just see his divide almost every town. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you take a look at it, no matter what choice you've made, whether you're going optional or you're going required, it, it is just dividing school districts all across Ohio and across our nation, which to me is not good for education. It's not. But can I ask, how many kids have passed out from wearing a mask? I'm not aware of any, and not in the Borman schools. Okay, so, that's good. Yeah. Because, you know, you hear a lot of, uh, I don't know, fear-mongering about uh, some science. Now, like you said, you can find probably a doctor to back up any position you sure. have. So there are a lot of people that, like I saw at the emergency meeting, bringing up a lot of science that really hasn't been borne out in reality and in practical matters. 
but they still kind of were able to use that as a defense against the, the mandate. Well, that's the great thing about the Internet. There's a lot of information. I mean, there's information sure. everywhere. We're, we're very good at now at, at information gathering because we have access to so much more information than maybe you know, 20, 25 years ago. So going back to what I said before, I have both sides saying follow the science, follow the science. As a leader, you're trying to make a good decision. You know, probably one of the, the things that I found most comforting was reaching out to uh, like an Akron Children's Hospital and speaking to uh, a member of the, of the pediatric unit. Just, you know, and I was able to plug into a email thread in which the, these pe pediatric doctors were having this intelligent professional discussion about it and people taking both sides. But the, the, just the, there was overwhelming um, evidence on from the pediatric doctors to mask. Right. They highly recommended it. They said we need the mask. So Speaking of group talks, I was wondering, do you have like some kind of secret Zoom group with other superintendents where you guys just cry on each other's shoulders? It's, uh, <laughs> we, we probably need something like that. You know, most a support group. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I was bald when I began, but I think a lot of superintendents are going to go bald. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if and then on a serious note, if you take a look at most, I mean, it, it's been hard on them. It goes back to that. We want to serve our communities, and this is tearing people apart. But to answer your question, uh, one thing people may or may not know, every Wednesday, including tomorrow, we're on a Zoom call or in-person call with the health department every Wednesday ever since uh, we launched last year. So uh, members of the local health department are on there, all the superintendents that are served by the, uh, the uh, ESC of Eastern Ohio. So there's about 20, 22 superintendents on there. We're wow. talking okay. COVID exactly. every Wednesday morning with the health department. Awesome. Just iron sharpens iron, trying to figure out what are you doing, what's working, what's not working. And obviously you can see in Mahoning County, there's, you know, there's four or five schools that have a masking policy right i think uh two more were just added today mm. uh, i did not know on, that on that i heard uh lowville and uh i know camel was half but now they're going full because they've had uh, more COVID cases now i know ohio does a tiered approach as to per county uh positive infection rates i believe would you think that maybe a more numbers-based approach would work? I mean, I know that at that point you would then say, all right, we're up at 5%. We have right. to put the mask back on. Right. But then you would at least give people benchmarks in terms of knowing, all right, if we get to this, if we do our due diligence or by you know pure luck, we get below this number, then we take them off, but then we put them back on. But at least it would be based on benchmarks or something. Well, it's, it's actually a really good point. Being a former math teacher, I love data, love numbers. Yeah. Uh, in that meeting, we get a weekly uh, update of COVID cases, both total population and school-age children, broken down by zip code. Yeah, you know, so er every every week I'm looking at the four four five one two, and then we have a little four four five one one and four four five one four. But really, yeah. our bulk of uh, boredom is four four five one two. I'm looking at those numbers, and, and we're watching the trends. That was my question: like, how far down are they able to break it? So it's farther than just at the um, county level. Right. It goes down to yeah, zip, zip code. code. And for us, it actually goes, they share school-aged children. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So if someone is positive uh, in the schools, what then do they have to do? Well, they have to isolate. So if someone is positive, uh, obviously uh, that, that was determined by a test somewhere. Uh, the local health department is, is obviously aware of, or they should make the local health department aware of that. Uh, also should contact the school uh, as in conjunction with the health department, we also do any contact tracing within our within the building. The health department will do the contact tracing outside of the building, right? Uh, but then they need to isolate, you know, for those ten days while um, until they're symptom free. Mm -hmm. And what type of uh, like 
um, contact tracing do like how far out does it spread in terms of like all right I was around this person for this long how does that work for us I can only speak for in the schools because that's what we do right um, for us that's really the reason why I went to mask because if, if you have a mask or you're vaccinated there's no quarantine gotcha so huge for difference us, yeah the only time it could happen for us is they have to take the mask off for lunch mm-hmm. there's just no way around it and we, we can't get them six feet apart. No. So you may have, and, uh, it, and it's a three-foot rule, so maybe one across, one left to the right, depends on the lunchroom. So you may have two or three kids get quarantined. But last year, you would have maybe 15 to 20 kids because if they're traveling class to class and lunch, so we, we can that potentially... That includes a lot more. Right. We can greatly reduce the number of kids. It'll only be lunch, and that's... Uh, just depends where they sit. So that to me is the biggest driving factor behind mass is the fact that the quarantine rules allow kids to stay in school. Going back to what parents wanted, we talked about that Wednesday at home. They said, look, okay, we made it through. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> so they want kids Whatever in school. Takes, right? They don't want kids sitting at home. And also, you know, the, the plexiglass was another thing they said. You know, the plexiglass puts them in this, this bubble where, that, that segregates them because just the way it's hard to see. That's the other thing. We worked hard to get rid of the plexiglass, replaced with the air purifier. So those are things we heard loud and clear from parents. We want our kids in school, get rid of the plexiglass, keep protocols in place. And so that's really a big decision behind the masses. It allows us to check the box, keep kids I was going to say, those sound like common sense trade-offs that are like net benefit for everyone. Right. Excellent. All right. So tougher question because it seems like we're having a discussion um, on two different fronts in terms of COVID, right? Because you have one battle, it's scientific, like whether or not it's real. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'll add parenthetically that most people are beyond that now, but there's still a debate about how dangerous it is and, and, and you know, how how much risk people are, are, are in. And then the other one is, is the battle of, of liberty and individual rights. So you got some people, well, they'll concede that COVID's dangerous, but at the same time, they're saying, I still insist upon my rights. Where are you seeing more pushback right now? Is it like, is it the the, the denialist folks? Or do you still see that? Or is it more the freedom folks? I, I think from, you know, from the people I've talked to and communicated with, it, it's more the freedom that they're frustrated. Uh, you know, they believe that the, the right to mask or not mask is a parental right. And the school shouldn't make that call for them. They should have the freedom to make that decision. Unfortunately, I, I, yeah, I, COVID I, I, is a shared burden because yeah. of how it works. So it, it would be nice if I could say, I'm only going to affect myself if I don't wear a mask. That's right. just not how it works. So how do you convey it? <laughs> it's tough to convey. Yeah, it's tough because when you make the decision to require masks, you become the villain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody yeah. wants to be the villain to of the story. To at least half of the people yeah. seemingly right now. But the now. villain is COVID. <laughs> Yes. Not not the school system. Uh, like I said, our, our goal is to keep the doors open, keep kids learning five days a week, and uh, masks allow us to do that. All right. So, even tougher question. How apprehensive are you when COVID vaccines become mandatory? When you say apprehensive, about... Uh, about the pushback that you're probably well, guaranteed to see. If they become mandatory, we'll just like we did last year. I'm going to follow the guidance from from the Ohio Department of Health, the Ohio Department of Education, or the Health Department, because that's what they do. Right. We educate. Yes. They understand this. If they tell us that that is mandated, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to follow what they You're say. You're kind of just trusting the medical professionals Absolutely. at that point. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't have a PhD. 
No, me neither. No. All right. So, I mean, that's just that's all we can yeah. do. And I totally understand. So it, on the same note, the, the anti-vaccination um, movement has been around for a while. Sure. It's uh, probably been it, you've seen it in your time yeah. and tenure as a teacher and an educator. It's probably gotten a little stronger in the past, let's say, decade. Um, what do you do when a, when someone comes in even before COVID and they say no vaccinations for my kid? Well, I mean, it, like you said, it, it, there are vaccinations that are that are required. For, Have been for 60 yeah, years. Yeah. And, and there are exemptions on the book. And Just, those are for like religious. Yeah. So if someone, yeah, people have used those in the, in the past. So, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, those are very few and far between. Right. But, but there are there is board policy on those. So. Okay. So you just have to follow the policy. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, we have exemptions for anti-mass students, but um, are there any exemptions or, or for anti-vaccination students? Are there any exemptions for masking? There is. Uh, that's probably been the most common question the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's medical exemption. Uh, there's an exemption uh, for mental health. Right. Uh, there's an exemption if it's part of a child's uh, IEP, uh, if a child has a disability. Mm-hmm. And there's also a religious exemption. Um, but those also need to be documented. Right. So what, what I've tried to explain, there's not a personal exemption. Right. All right. That, that's different. There are districts that, that offer that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not have that. Medical exemption means you have to show proof that there's a medical condition. Sure. That would not allow that child to wear a mask. Anxiety, heightened well, books. I'm the professional help, but maybe yeah. some some child's incapable of putting on or removing the mask. Okay. That that if they're incapable of physically removing or putting on a mask, that that could create a situation where a mask is inappropriate. But maybe you can go to a face shield then. Right. So there are other ways. Yeah. Um, again, and uh, another common one is the religious exemption. It can't be. I just don't believe in masks. You have to show that you've belonged to a. Uh, to, to a religion that has a um, documented uh, track record, let's say. Yeah, of, that's the word I was looking for. There's a doctrine. Yes. Uh, a, 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 an established belief. Mm-hmm. We're uh, not just making it up yesterday. Right. Right. Okay. No. Understood. Yeah, we used to have a shaving policy at Bourbon. Oh. You couldn't have that oh. beard. But Could you believe? But <laughs> Not going to allow this. But there were religious exemptions to that because sure. there, were estab- Sikh or something. Yeah, there were established religions in, in which the, the, the beard was part of their doctrine. Totally. So, yeah, so we had religious exemptions back in the day. Now we're okay. You can have beards. Nice. So good deal. Yeah. And how about long hair on the dudes? You can have you're that okay. too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Maybe not for the Yankees, but Boardman, <laughs> you're allowed. Um, all right. Let's let's end on something nice and easy. Okay. Tell me some instances lately, especially uh, maybe in the beginning of this new school year, where you've seen coming together, and maybe in places that you wouldn't have even expected it. That would be even better. Well, I, I think uh, obviously the, the easiest one is you know school starts way before the first day, but you go out and you take a look. I, I remember coming here uh, first week in August, band camp. Oh, the, sure. The, the, this last year it was tough. It's tough to go to to a Friday night game because Friday night's just not football. It's it's football. It, it, it's our community there. It's community. It's fair fries. And it's the Borman Spartan marching band. And yeah. uh, it was just different when they couldn't march. And we had small crowds. But So I was, I was so excited. Uh, and typically we go away to band camp. But Mr. Ruggieri wanted to do have a similar experience. So he did it here on site. So I remember the first day of band camp um, going out there. And just, just You could just tell they were excited to be back at band camp marching. And they're, they're going to do halftime shows. So 
you know, first week of August, I mean, this this building here comes alive. You got sports, uh, teachers are starting to come back in, so you can feel. Yeah, it. kids are excited. Now, I, the other thing I noticed being in high school, being able to walk the halls. Um, last year, the first week of school with masks, it it, it wasn't as, as exciting. Kids, you know, people a little more tentative, you yeah. know. And I remember walking to the hall, I'm smiling, and I realized no one can see me smile. <laughs> right. Like, and I, I you know, always want to smile at the kids. I'm thinking, i got to learn how to smile with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to tell you, the first week of school this year wasn't like that. Kids kids were excited. I mean, you could just feel there's an upbeat tempo. There was excitement in the air, and you could tell kids were smiling. Kind of a, yeah. a little bit of learning to live with it for the time yeah. being, making the best of it. <laughs> the one thing that I think we've learned from COVID is the kids dealt with it a lot better than the adults. No you doubt, know, the kid, our kids are resilient. They are not just Portman kids. Kids, kids across our country, they're a lot tougher than we give them credit for. They, they certainly are yeah. because you know what? We have established uh, norms that we're breaking, and we're getting all heard about it. Yeah. And this is just this is yeah. the new norm for them. It's all they know, so they're rolling with it a lot better. I know they're frustrated. Everyone's looking forward to it. Just especially at the end of May, there you, you go into June and. Also, you could walk in the store and have a mask, and I don't have to wear that. Leave it in the car. Felt I mean, great. Yeah, we all felt like. Ah. And so, I mean, the timing was was just it, Delta's it, been a bummer across the board. Yeah, yeah. and you couldn't pick the worst time just when <laughs> school's going to start. So I get that, especially for the seniors. They're, yeah, you know, I, you think back to the seniors that maybe lost from from two years ago that lost a prom. You know, all of a sudden they show up in March, schools are closing, no prom. That's it's their senior year. That's tough. So I know last year we were able to. You give kids some of those experiences, found a way to make it happen. And so um, I, I guess that's that's where kids are, are resilient. And I think that, you know, at first they were like, okay, what's going to happen here? But I think if they can see, okay, I can have a senior year. It might be, a, I got to make some adjustments, but we are moving forward. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have a student cheering section at games and homecomings planned. So uh, things are moving forward with some slight adjustments. Sure. Well, I mean, I hope you guys are able to keep the numbers down so you're able to keep all of those events in place. There's nothing more important than homecoming and all those seminal moments in somebody's so academic calendar. Great memories, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish you continued success. And Thank you. I really hope that, you know, this isn't forever. We've seen a right. drop in the numbers, I think, nationwide recently. So, in other countries, you know, they went through a Delta surge and it mm-hmm. kind of cooled off. So, right. I'm hoping for the same thing here. I agree. I think you, we can't be... Uh, not they always say make sure you study history, so you you can uh, predict the future. And I think we have to take a look at what happened in some of these other countries that Delta went through. Yeah, it, it tore through there, but then just like our other spikes, it does level. And that's why we're doing this for twenty days. Let's see, let's right. see what this is like. You know, let's let's evaluate the situation. You know, five, ten, fifteen school days in, and then uh, and just be smart about it. So maybe it, it will subside. Maybe it'll level off or maybe it'll spike a little more and we might need another 20 days. But again, we, we want to make sure we're doing what's best and being flexible. That's right. Well, it sounds like you're doing all that. Thank you very much Trying for to. everything. Trying. I so, appreciate it. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Tim Saxon.